Good morning, everyone. Uh, Bob has the same affliction I do. He occasionally forgets something that he's repeated a hundred times. <laughs> Sometimes you just go blank on something that's very obvious. I remember one time we were going to visit this family, and I was going to introduce Martha. This was right after we got married. And I said, Hello, I'm so nervous. I said, Hello, my name's Clark Quitten, and this is my wife. Uh, <laughs> uh, she jumped in to save me. It happens. You're forgiven, Bob. Um, Barbara is going to help us uh, with our worship. Uh, we're praying you know, long-term, what God wants and all that. We're doing that <laughs> in several different areas, obviously. And would appreciate you all praying with us about that. And, uh, you know, it's good to have the ones we have. And they, I love, you know, it was good. Thank you, Barbara, uh, very much. And we appreciate the help. Okay, let's talk about the feasts. I, I, I've do my best to make this kind of get in some bite-sized chunks that help you understand and track with what I'm trying to do. But it's a fairly complicated process. So it takes some concentration. And I know Deuteronomy and Leviticus isn't on your top 10 reading list. I, I get that. <laughs> but I get excited when I begin to think, though, that the understanding of this stuff always adds to your life. Every part you understand and receive adds to your life. And uh, as you all know, I'm going to do a brief, uh, just a brief rehearsal here of what we've done in the past. There are three feasts uh, that the nation of Israel was commanded by God to keep in perpetuity. These feasts were occasions where they get together and they commemorate what's happened in their past, and they remember these events that took place in their past. God wanted them to never forget what he did in these certain instances in their history. Now, the interesting thing about this is that since Jesus is talked about in the old, just like he is in the new, that his presence, the revelation of Jesus, is in the old. It just takes eyes to see. You couldn't see it prior to his coming, but you can see it after his coming. He fulfilled all these prophetic things that were laid out in all these different ways. And the feasts are only just that much. I mean, there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of things in the old that reveal Christ. As you can, If you begin to look at the types and the shadows and the representations that are there, it's absolutely amazing. And I can tell you, that has done more for my own faith and walk with God than almost anything else. That is utterly and absolutely humanly impossible for groups of people over thousands of years to somehow or other collaborate and come up with stuff like's in the Word. I mean, you couldn't do it. It's impossible. When you see the reality of Jesus there in types and shadows and all these prophecies that were fulfilled by the coming of Christ, it's absolutely and utterly amazing. God is really, really smart. He just is. I am impressed with how smart he is. He just sort of knows everything. Yeah. 
So it's, it's amazing, it's thrilling to see it. So in these, these events, first month, third month, seventh month, those are the, the, according to their religious calendar. The first month we celebrate Passover, unleavened bread and first fruits. That's really a Passover feast, but it's got three parts. That happened in the first of the year. It talks about beginnings, new, new, new things, first things first, all that kind of stuff. Passover, as, as you already know, uh, you know the story of Passover, the blood applied to the doorposts, lentils of their house as they were going to make their exodus out of Egypt. The death angel was come. He'd pass over the houses with the blood applied. The spotless little lamb that they sacrificed. Then they ate his body. They ate it with unleavened bread. So they took sustenance. They took from this sacrifice the strength to move forward for what was ahead. And then we saw that three days after that, they came to the Red Sea. This represents uh, first fruits. You've got Passover, unleavened bread, and first fruits in the first feast. They were to remember these events. You know what happened to the Red Sea? <clears throat> God parted the waters as Moses led his nation through, and the water parted. They passed through safely. The water came and swallowed up their enemy, Pharaoh and his army. They were to remember that event. They are to remember it every year. Now that signifies death, burial, and resurrection. Going down into the sea, coming up out of the sea, is the resurrection. And it's clear that Jesus fulfilled that feast. He fulfilled those things, those prophetic things. He was our perfect lamb. His blood was shed. Blood was applied. His living word is unleavened without any leavening of law in it. The purity of the gospel has no law in it because we are not under law but under grace. Law has been passed away. The law has passed away. That whole scenario, that whole way of life, that whole jurisdiction of the law is now totally gone. And we have a new, we are under a new jurisdiction. We are under the law of love. We are under grace. We are under a new covenant. So we were joined with Jesus in this death, burial, and resurrection. I'm not talking just about water baptism. That is a, it also is a representation of it. But the old Clark died when I believed. Clark was buried. The old Clark was buried. But he didn't stay buried. I was buried with Jesus and I was raised with Jesus to a brand new life, Romans 6 says. So that passage through the Red Sea talks about present day events and present day spiritual reality. So it was fulfilled. Jesus fulfilled it. Now, the next feast is Pentecost. Where did Pentecost start? Many people would say Acts chapter 2. Right? But it didn't start in Acts chapter 2. It had a long history before Acts chapter 2 ever happened when the Holy Spirit came upon those believers in the upper room. Now, if you have a Bible, I want to read a few verses from Exodus chapter 19. And we'll talk about Pentecost. It says, Then God spoke all these words. Oh, that's 20. In the third month after the sons of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that very day they came into the wilderness of Sinai. 
When they set out from Rephidim, they came to the wilderness of Sinai and camped in the wilderness, and there Israel camped in front of the mountain, Mount Sinai. Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the sons of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings, and brought you out myself. Now then, if you will indeed obey my voice, keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the sons of Israel. Then in verse 16, So it came about on the third day, when it was morning, that there was thunder and lightning, flashes and thick cloud upon the mountain, and a very loud trumpet sound, so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was all in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire and its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace and the whole mountain quaked violently. When the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him with thunder. So you see all these events were taking place at the base of Mount Sinai. They were gathered there. You know what happened? Moses went up on the mountain. God... He gave him the Ten Commandments. Uh, it, was, it was said uh, the commandments were written on stone, the finger of God writing on stone, the Ten Commandments. And when Moses came down, you know what was going on, don't you? They were worshiping Baal. They had the golden calf erected. Uh, it wasn't a good thing. And <clears throat> do you remember what happened that day? Do you remember how God responded to that? We can read about it later, but here's how God responded to what he saw. 3,000 people died. You remember the sons of Korah? The earth swallowed them up. 3,000 people died that day because of the judgment of God upon them. Do you remember how many people were born again when the day of Pentecost was fully come in Acts chapter 2? When Peter stood up to preach and spoke the word of God and the testimony of God? It doesn't say 3,005. It doesn't say 3,010. It says exactly 3,000. Now, had you known what we know now, even back there at the base of Mount Sinai, when that happened, you could have told them all, there's coming a day when there's going to be exactly the same amount of people in one day that are going to come to life, not to death. Absolutely perfect representation. It's amazing how the church, the early church, walked in concert they didn't know it, but they were walking in concert and in lockstep with the prophecies of thousands of years before. They had no knowledge of that, but that's exactly what they were doing. Um, Sinai signifies death, judgment, law. Mount Goshen, Mount Sinai, Mount Zion. You see these triads of things all over the scripture. Jonah, three days in the belly of the whale. 
that kind of thing. Jesus, three days buried, that sort of thing. There, there are many other references to this three. Mount Goshen, Mount Sinai, Mount Zion. The scripture says, you have not, I have not brought you to Mount Sinai. I've brought you to Mount Zion, the city of the living God. That's the future. That's where we're headed. That's what Tabernacles is all about, is the city of the living God. Mount Goshen, Mount Sinai, Mount Zion. Outer court, inner court, holy of holies in the tabernacle and in the temple. Jesus represented outer court. Holy Spirit, inner court. The Father, holy of holies. We're moving somewhere. We're going to this massive, beautiful, glorious, wonderful expression of the life of God in the end times. That's where we're going. All these things point to it and walk toward it. Passover's been fulfilled. Pentecost has been fulfilled, literally. Prophetically, literally, and experientially in us. But not tabernacles. Tabernacles has not yet been fulfilled. We don't know all that's going to happen in tabernacles. But as surely as Passover has been fulfilled and Pentecost has been fulfilled, tabernacles will also be fulfilled before the coming of Christ. So let's talk about this Pentecost for a minute. Um, it prophetically speaks of Jesus. Matthew 5, 17 says, Jesus came to fulfill the law. He said himself, I did not come to destroy the law. I came to fulfill it. Fulfill it. He says, the, the, Paul said this, the law brings death. The spirit brings what? Life. The law, death. The spirit, life. Pentecost is a very, very important feast to keep or to understand. It's not just about being a Pentecostal. It's not about being a charismatic. It's not about being a Baptist. It's not about being a Catholic. God's not trying to make a Baptist out of you. He's not trying to make a Catholic out of you. He's not trying to make a Pentecostal out of you. Let me tell you what he is doing. He is making sons and daughters out of you. That's what he's doing. Sons and daughters of God. And he started that process at Pentecost. Or ended the process, actually. Pentecost is the last, the coming of the Spirit. The coming of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's the, <laughs> what? The last act, I guess. The last deposit that finished the reality of the new covenant for you. Jesus started it. The Spirit finished it. The new covenant. Um... He was a down payment, so to speak. An earnest payment is what the scripture says. The Spirit was an earnest pay payment to all of us to secure us, to make us feel secure. It is now Christ in us. It's not Christ over there. It's not having a relationship with him over there. It is Christ in you. It's God in you. It signifies the union of you with God. There is a union there that's based upon his faithfulness, not yours. It's based upon his ability to keep you, not your ability to keep him. He is in you. Always. He never leaves and never will. 
So the Holy Spirit's coming was a significant event in Christian history. As a matter of fact, it's one of the most significant events to ever happen to the human race. All right? Now, <clears throat> there's all kinds of types and shadows of how Jesus himself was a spiritual person, that he operated in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit himself. Let me just give you a few. There's many of them. It's a long list. I don't want to take too long. I just want to show you a few of these. You remember when Elizabeth and Zechariah, Gabriel came, spoke to them about having a child. You remember that? He was, she was going to be become pregnant, and she did with John the Baptist. Well, <clears throat> just after that, not long, a few months, uh, Gabriel came and visited Mary, the mother of Jesus. You remember that? And the Spirit came upon her. She conceived a supernatural conception. She went to visit Elizabeth and Zechariah. And when she did, when she showed up, you remember what happened to that little baby in Elizabeth's womb? It says he leapt. He responded. He, he sensed. He knew that someone was in his presence that had never been there before. That was Jesus. And when Jesus shows up, you'll leap too. <laughs> there is a leaping going on inside of everyone who understands that. That God is with me. He's present with me. He's as with me as if he were in the flesh standing here even more so. So, the, 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 uh, John the Baptist leapt in the womb. You remember at Jesus' baptism in the Jordan River when he told Peter, baptize me. Peter said, no, 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 you baptize me, you know, yada, yada. Jesus simply said, baptize me, Peter, I'm going to kick you in the rear. Something like that. Close. <laughs> Go ahead and do it. I submit to you in this. And when he did, when he came up out of the water, you remember what happened? The Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a what? Dove. This representation of the Holy Spirit, but it was the Holy Spirit. He says the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. The Spirit of God came upon him. And that's when God said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. The Holy Spirit... Listen, I don't want to mess with your Christology too much, but you really need a good messing up in this. Everything that Jesus did, actually everything that he was, I don't know that I put was in there, but everything that Jesus did, Jesus did as a man, a human being, filled with and anointed and led by the Spirit of God. He emptied himself of his Godhead and became a man. He was God, but he's man. He's not acting on his God stuff as he lived here. He was listening to, attuned to, empowered by, anointed by, and filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Just like I can be and you can be. That's how he lived his life. He never sinned. He never made a mistake. He never said a wrong word. He never acted out of turn. And he was a man anointed by, filled with, and living by the Spirit of God. In his ministry... Luke 4.18 says, The Spirit of the Lord. Jesus said himself, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to do. And then he speaks about what he's doing. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. His death, he died miraculously. 
It says, he gave up his spirit. He had the power even then over death by the spirit. Supernatural. Then in his resurrection, he was raised by the spirit. Now, what does this feast mean experientially or spiritually for us today? So let's walk through this. Okay, original Pentecost at Mount Sinai was celebrated on the 50th day, 50 days after Passover is Pentecost, 50 days from the very end of first fruits to when they got to the base of Mount Sinai and all those events took place, took exactly 50 days. If you don't believe it, read about it. It's in there, exactly 50 days. When Jesus was raised after his resurrection, but before his ascension into heaven, Acts chapter 2 says that he appeared for 40 days to over 500 people, disciples. Right before his ascension into heaven, he looks at the disciples and he said, Go to the city of Jerusalem and wait. Wait. He's, they're waiting to wait for the coming of the Spirit. Go to the city of Jerusalem and wait. He didn't tell them how long. He inferred, wait as long as it takes till the Spirit comes. So that's what they did. After Jesus ascended into heaven, at the end of that 40-day period, they went to Jerusalem, gathered together in what is known as the upper room. There were about 120 disciples. And on the... How long did they wait? How long did they wait for the coming of the Spirit? Ten days. They had to wait ten days because the Spirit wasn't going to come on the 49th day. He wasn't going to come on the the 48th day after Jesus' resurrection. He was going to come on exactly the 50th day after the resurrection of Jesus. Do you know what happened on that morning? As the day, the 50th day dawned, do you remember the events that took place in the upper room? Don't just skim over that stuff. I mean, it's really cool. It's really important. It's, it's really wonderful. They waited 10 days until the fullness of Pentecost had come. That's what it says again in Acts 2. When, when the day, the full day of Pentecost had come, it, that God had prepared, then that's when the Holy Spirit came. When it had fully come. Now, it's interesting that while the Israelites who were gathered in the city of Jerusalem to keep the Feast of Pentecost, that's what they were there doing, they were going through the ritual of Pentecost. While these these Israelites were going through the ritual of Pentecost, it's interesting that the disciples were experiencing Pentecost that they, the ritual, spoke of. They had the shadow. They had the reality. They got the reality. They, they didn't know what they were doing. They didn't know why they were doing it necessarily except to remember Mount Sinai and their journey there and all that. That's what they thought. But the people in the upper room were getting the reality of, that, of, of, of what that ritual spoke of. Two groups of people close together. <laughs> I mean, they were there in the city with all of them. 
They were going through the ritual of it, of it all. They were getting the real thing in the upper room. <clears throat> so that tells me that you can be a ritual Christian. You can depend upon the rituals of the church. You can depend upon, you know, the, 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 the sameness of things and it keeps you feeling secure and all of that. And you, you, you go through the motions of the things that you hope helps you and pleases God and there's some things to get out of it and all of that but what God really wants is for you to experience the reality of what those rituals speak right it's not any good for you to go through the ritual and not get the reality the experience of it okay anyway it's a, it's a picture of what we're to enjoy today Leviticus 16:23 says you were to offer a new meal offering at this feast a new meal offering. Something brand new was to be offered to the Lord. What does the word new, where does the word new occur in Acts chapter 2 at, on the day of Pentecost when the Spirit came? Do you remember that little word new? You remember all the people who were <laughs> looking at them, watching them, and listening to them after that event took place in the upper room thought they were nuts. They said they are full of what? New wine. There was something new taking place. Something that had never happened in history was taking place. Something brand new. You know what that new was. This new was really the finishing of, the ratification of, the new covenant and new lives to follow. A new relationship with God. A union with God that had never taken place before. All this new stuff, everything changed after the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came. New wine. <clears throat> for me and for you in the new covenant, Pentecost means freedom from the ceremonialism of the law. That's what it means. That the law is passed for us. It's gone. It's passed away. That we no longer, ever, have to respond to or feel guilty about or have over us any of the laws. They're gone. That's what it means for us. In Romans 8.21, Paul says, We have entered into the glorious liberty of the sons of God. That happened on the day of Pentecost. We became sons. We became daughters. We, we no longer were servants. We were no longer slaves. We were no longer um, religious in a religious sense. There's no performing religious rituals to please God. There's no, no longer keeping of days. New Testament talks about that, of keeping special days. You're not under obligation to keep special days. You don't keep the Sabbath as you used to keep the Sabbath. Every day is a Sabbath for a believer. Every day. It's a, it's a place of rest all the time. People still worship the form of the Sabbath, but they don't worship, really, the reality of the Sabbath, which is Sabbath rest. God gave us rest from what? From our works. From our works. No more works. No works. I don't have to do any works to please God. No, no, no. No, you do not. 
You say, but doesn't, doesn't that let people off the hook? Yeah. Yeah, it pretty much does. You're off the hook of the law and really wooed by the Spirit of God to be more than you ever would have been under the law. You're free. You're free. Am I free to sin? Yeah. Yeah, you are. I'm not saying there won't be consequences to that, but yeah, you can. I mean, you're dumb when you do it, but you can stay dumb. <laughs> no law. We are established as sons of God at Pentecost. Again, it's more than just miracles and speaking in tongues and the gifts and the fruit and all of that. It's understanding that I'm a son and I can walk in all this stuff given to me. The Spirit of God in me. And then here's another one. Leviticus 23, 17 says there were two wave loaves offered to the Lord. Two loaves of bread that had identical ingredients, or to have identical ingredients in both. These were offered to the Lord as a sacrifice. That represents the two ethnic groups on which the Spirit was coming, would come. Jews and everybody else, Gentiles. At Pentecost, there was no separation. Never to be any separation. No distinctions, actually. No Jew, no Greek, no male, no female. No, no rich, no poor, no favored, unfavored, none of that anymore. We're all one in who? Jesus. We're all one in him. So that doesn't mean that I don't believe there are really men and really women. I do. <laughs> don't get me started on that. <laughs> so for us, it was the end of the celebrate freedom from the ceremonialism of the law. Don't have to do that anymore. Two wave loads. Jew and Gentile. Uh, Ephesians 3.18 says, For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. All of us do. God was building and is building, began building, will continue to build a spiritual nation. A house of worship, so to speak. Made up of all these living stones that make up the house. You are the garden of God, the planting of the Lord. All those things are talked about when we talk about the bride of Christ, the church. There's no race that God favors more than any other in Jesus. Then the bread, Leviticus 23, 7 says, was made from fine flour. Fine flour is made from crushed wheat. Jesus was crushed for us. He bore the sins of the world for us. He was crushed, so we're not crushed. That's the way it is. Now, an interesting thing is this. Israel didn't leave Sinai for 40 years. For 40 years, they didn't really leave Sinai. They just circled it around and around and around. I mean, there'd be some journeys a good long way from it, but eventually they're going to end up back here, and the, they just went around and around and around for 40 years. Why? Because they were afraid to go into the promised land. Remember, God led them right there. They could have bypassed Sinai. They didn't have to go to Sinai. 
They could have gone straight into the promised land. But they didn't. They turned back. And for 40 years they wandered. Moses didn't get to lead them into the promised land. As you know, Joshua did. So, <clears throat> they just kept on circling. I, how many, please, golly, how many people? It's just overwhelming to me. I just, I, it exasperates me. It frustrates me. And I don't know how to fix it. How many people are wandering around and around and around and around and around the, the law, the keeping of the law? In my book, I have a chapter called, you know, the, the rat in the maze. That's what people do. They just stay in the maze. They never get out. They see an opening, but it's closed. It, you can't please the law. You can't fulfill the law. You can't do the law. You don't even know what the law is. You don't. You say, yes, I do. Well, name them off. There's about 613 of them. You can't even learn them all. How can you keep them if you don't know them? It was, a, it was a, a, an utter... All of us were utter failures at keeping the law. We're not wandering around Mount Sinai anymore. What did we do? What did we do? We accepted his invitation to come into the promised land. That's what we did. A place of rest, a place of abundance, a place of provision, a place that's ours. We became a kingdom of priests. He spoke that to the nation of Israel. They didn't do it. We did. I don't mean we did it. I mean God did it in us and through us. We are a nation of priests, a kingdom of priests. We don't need a priest to go to God on our behalf. We're one ourselves. Right? So, this Pentecost thing is very important. Psalm 106 says, God sent leanness into their souls and forced them northward. Talking about the nation of Israel. He sent leanness in their souls. I don't know what all that meant. But it forced them northward toward the promised land under the leadership of Joshua. And they finally went in and took it. I, I pray. There was a leanness in my soul that pushed me toward grace. For about, God, no, at least... 20 years, I always felt that leanness in my soul. I know something's wrong. I know something is wrong with what we see. I know there is. I knew there was. I just know what it was. And I started biting off little chunks of it, and this little here, and a little understanding here, and pulling from this, and this revelation, and that revelation, until I began to see at least some of all that Jesus died to give. The promised land is grace. It's grace. Now, that doesn't mean that what's ahead is going to be easy. I want to tell you that. It doesn't mean that what's ahead is going to be easy. You're still going to have to depend upon God just like you do now. You're going to have to set your heart and mind toward Him just as you do now. There will be events that will be scary. There will be some things that happen that challenge you. But God will be with you. And he will be doing some things. 
that are worth waiting for and worth hanging on for. That's what's coming. Um, so, my advice to you is this. Receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He came to give you gifts. Receive them. You say, well, I, I don't like all of them. Well, receive them anyway. You don't have to do all of them. Just do the ones you like. But receive the gifts. Be open to all that the Spirit enables you to be and to receive. Receive it all. Don't be afraid of any of it. You say, well, I don't know about speaking in tongues. Well, just give it a whirl. Try it. You'll like it. It's not weird. It's not nuts. I do often. Give word of wisdom, word of knowledge, receive it. Gifts of healings, operation of miracles, tongues, interpretation of tongues. Receive the gifts. Be open and receive them. Nobody's going to lose out but you if you don't. Receive the fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, meekness. Nine of them. Receive it. Receive that fruit. Allow it to percolate in your heart and be that way. Receive all that. Go for it. But while you're going for it, I want you to understand that the real blessing of Pentecost, the real blessing of Pentecost, which enables all of this other stuff to happen, is that God says, you're a son and a daughter of God. You're not a slave. You're a son, you're a daughter. You have the privileges of sons and daughters. And frankly, folks, that is never going to change. I don't care what you do. You're kept by the power of God, not by your own. And you are, you're a pretty small-minded person if you think you can get away from God and you can get out of God's hand and I can, I can move away from God and he'll leave me alone. Well, you're, you're just full of it. That's not going to happen. He is with you and he always will be. You're fixed. Okay? Pentecost is an important celebration. Just celebrate it in the Spirit by receiving Him. Okay, stand up. Please. All right, in the next few weeks, we'll get to the hard ones. Not harder to understand. All I'm going to do is just give you a few observations because and then let you you can study it for yourself. I don't know. There's a whole, much, whole bunch of stuff in there that I don't see too. I'm not worried about it. I don't, I don't have to see everything. I don't want to see everything, actually. Oh, me. We ought to, we ought to come to rest and relax. Really? Do, do you understand that if God wanted you to be alive right now, in this time, this is our time, this is our season, specifically designed for us, in God's plan, you were supposed to be here today. I, I mean today, in this time. So whatever's coming, we can handle it. Whatever's coming, we can do it. Whatever's coming, we are equipped to receive from it and release from it everything God desires. So don't be wishing you were born 100 years ago, which I do often, but don't be doing that. Don't, don't be doing that. This is your time, our time. 
And God is going to have a glorious bride. The bride of Christ. She's going to, she is without spot, blemish, wrinkle, any such thing. And she's going to have her day. I promise. Okay? So just receive the Holy Spirit. Father, I just pray right now that we'll all be able to receive. By faith, we receive your Spirit. We know you're here. We know you're in us. Our bodies are temple of the Spirit. Now, Holy Spirit, we receive you. All of the manifestations you desire, any way you desire to speak to us, to empower us, to gift us, to equip us. We're not afraid of you, Holy Spirit. Pray your anointing and blessing over everyone in here. I speak peace and rest and hope and joy and life. I speak enthusiasm for the future and not fear of the future in the name of Jesus. I speak an equipping over them all. A releasing of the gifts in their hearts and minds that some have kept locked up in their hearts for years. I pray that will be released and they'll begin to hear you. They'll begin hearing your voice, responding to your voice. And I pray, Lord, for some of us, you'll, you'll wake them up in the morning watches and speak to them. Speak to them in the night hours. Speak to them in the good times, the bad times, and all in between. I pray, Lord, that you'll be closer than a brother to every one of us. In Jesus' name. Amen. I sure love you all, folks. And go forth in the power of the Spirit and rest and relax. Okay? See you next week. Love you all.